0: I want to highlight two aspects or natures that men possess that are intrinsic to them. And then in light of that, go through two functions, how they play out, two ways this plays out for men in the home. Working with the biblical understanding of male headship, the first aspect of a man I like to talk about is authority. The question that we must ask ourselves isn't will men exercise authority, but rather is how will they lead with their authority? There are three ways that we've heard Alexander already talk about to lead. You can lead passively can lead biblically or you can lead tyrannically. I hope to spend the rest of this time trying to unpack and explain what it looks like for men to lead biblically. Many people use the term servant leadership to describe the role of the man, and although the original meaning of this term is good, it has since been used to mean something that is in contradiction with the biblical understanding of man. What most people mean when they who use the term servant leadership is that men are leaders because they are servants. Their service is what qualifies them to lead. And this simply is not true. Rather, what qualifies men to lead is that they are men and are to exercise authority in the areas that God calls them to. Service instead is not what qualifies a man to lead, but rather informs how he must lead. And our passage that we'll be working with tonight is Ephesians 5. I want to read all of it, 522 to 30. Uh, Three, however, I don't think time will permit me, but this is my understanding of not only the authority of man and male headship as Christ is the head of the church and man to be the head of the wife, but also into this next uh, passage, we can, see clearly, we can see clearly how this passage is emphasizing the man is to be the leader, the head to have authority. That is the first aspect of man is that they have authority. The second aspect also comes from this passage and that is sacrificial. Men are to be sacrificial. Men make sacrifices daily, and that is for one of two reasons: it will either be for own personal gain, uh, to build up their own needs, to extend their own, fluent, their own influence, to make themselves more powerful, to gratify their own flesh, or men will sacrifice to so the better of those around them, specifically those that have been entrusted to them. Many people would like to use the word servant here, and that is good, and that it captures the willingness that men ought to have to serve their people. However, I'm wanting to use the word sacrificial because I want to capture the costliness that comes to those who are given authority. As the old adage goes, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think so much of our modern day culture and climate is due to men who have negated their role and responsibilities due to how great the cost is to sacrifice for others. It's easier to never have to worry about marriage when you can sleep with whoever you want. It's easier to not have to worry about uh, kids um, if you never have them. And it's easy not to worry about who's raising your kids if you don't have to deal with it. As we've heard tonight, negating and passivity is common and all too easy for men to do. Many men, even inside the church, fall in the same pattern of Adam and then negate their responsibility and become passive. Being a man should not be easy. It should be killing you. You are, after all, dying to self for the benefit of others, but it is a glorious calling. So men have been given authority. We are to exemplify Christ and exercise rule. But the way we do it is by Christ's example, being willing to do anything and everything, sacrificing no matter what the cost, even life itself, to nourish and cherish those that God has entrusted to us. The nature of man is to exercise sacrificial rule. This is exercised in two main ways, the two functions i like to talk about, and that is protector and provider. I don't have time to go in where I'm pulling this from here in um, Genesis, but I'd like to highlight it real quickly. First, in Genesis 1, we see the creation mandate. And Adam is in the garden, was tasked to work and care for the garden. We can see that God provided everything needed for Adam to provide for himself. It's not that Adam sits still and does nothing. Everything is given to him. He must work with his hands and on, on, and on all that God has put around him in order to get what he needs. Yes, if Eve is included in this, however, Adam needs Eve to be fruitful and multiply as well as filling the earth. He does does not explicitly need Eve for the rest because Adam already had dominion over all the plants and the animals before Eve existed. Mm -hmm. Thus, men are called to be providers and that they work in and with God's created order to gain provisions. Likewise, we have the second function of protector from Genesis 2.15. When the Lord commands Adam to keep the garden, this means to guard it or to protect it. It is Adam who is t- tasked with protecting the Garden of Eden, as the last quote that I was going to wrap up with. He should have taken a stick and beat the snake with it. But because Adam fails, the Lord replaces him with a cherubim and a flaming sword at the end of Genesis 3. And it is worth noting that both of these roles, both of these functions of Adam are given to him before Eve was ever created. And thus man was made to serve as provider and as protector. And so as we were unpacking, unpacking these functions, there are three main categories of doing so, and that is regards to physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Most of, of what I can say fall in both categories of provider and protector um, because you are providing what you protect and you are protecting what you provide. Um, it is probably worth saying that this doesn't mean that women do not provide or that women do not protect. They most certainly do, but in ways that are distinct to them as women and not in the same way that men do as men. So the first function is provider. Man is not only created to work, but is built to work. When God calls us to something, this is true generally, he also provides what is necessary for the task. Men are made to work, and work we shall. Man is to provide everything that is necessary, necessary for his people, for his family to thrive. We see in Proverbs 6 that the slugger is a great disgrace in the eyes of the Lord. And in 1 Timothy 5.8, the man who will not provide for his household is worse than an unbeliever. God, all throughout Scripture, is condemning slothfulness and laziness in those who are passive. So then, what all does being the provider entail? And so, some things to reflect on and consider. The goal of every man is to provide resources and finances. Men are tasked with being the ones to go out into the world and cultivate it, as well as take care of whatever is needed for the benefit of the home. There is a reason why, and we talked about this at length, God brings upon His curses brings the curses upon Adam and Eve that he curses Adam's work, that he will not only do it by the sweat of his brow, but also that it will, it will now fight him back. It is assumed that the man will be the one who is partaking in the work that is necessary to fulfill his role as provider. Men are to put their hands to the plow and do whatever is necessary in accordance with God's law to make sure his people are well taken care of and have all that they physically need to live. Men should go above and beyond at the cost of self to make sure that their family is well taken care of. They should aim to be the chief, if not the sole provider, because that is what is expected of them. But we see that men are not only tasked with providing financially and physically for those that are immediately before him, but also for those to come. Proverbs 13, states that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And many of us hear that and we think we need to make more money in order to save, when the reality is that we need to spend less money on ourselves and save more for our grandchildren. Inheritance is a rich theme in all of Scripture that we shouldn't take lightly or devalue and that a man of God should pursue leaving for his descendants. Physically, men are to provide discipline. Again, in Proverbs 13, it says, "...whoever spares a rod hates his son." But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. It is a role of the man to, when necessary, not withhold discipline, but to exercise it at every occasion when needed. If we love our people, then we must discipline them. For this proves that they belong to you and you belong to them. As it says in Hebrews 12, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Men, we have the great blessing of disciplining our family. And then men, we have the, to provide our family with our time. Any statistic that's out there, in a sense of homelessness, um, LGBTQ issues, in a sense of people who are in prison, all of it has to do with father hunger. It, every, almost every single one of these statistics, over 50% plus, has to do with there not being a father in the home. Actually, having an abusive, tyrannical father is far better than having no father at all. And that the benefits are high. And so father hunger is a pandemic in our culture, in our day and age. And so as men, we are to provide our family with our time. We are to be present. But not just to be present, but to be emotionally available. Uh, Stigma that to be a man is to never show any emotion and to never shed a tear. They deny having a feminine side and never open up to talk about their feelings. This stigma can be farther from the truth of what we see and understand as what a biblical man is. Christ does not have a feminine side. Rather, he is the truest form of what a real man is and looks like. As men, we would do well to follow his example of always being open and willing to care for his people at whatever level their needs may be. We see countless times throughout the gospel how Christ labors, and tears and anguish over his people. Men should always make themselves available, especially emotionally, to hear, care for, and sympathize with their people. Thus men ought to be a safe place, one where his family can turn to him and know that they will be seen and heard. All fears and worries, any stress or problems, should be able to be dumped upon the man. And your people shouldn't be concerned about how it will be handled or if it will be handled, but have trust that you are a safe and trusted person to be able to share with. And men we are to be in Gedi to our people. In the desert in Israel, beside the Dead Sea, where everything is literally brown and dead, there is something called the Engedi Springs, which fills a small valley with beautiful, crystal clear blue waters and is filled of green, luscious grass and trees. In the same way, men are to provide the greatest support, and champion our people like no one ever has. That is why in Proverbs, an excellent wife is like a crown to her husband because her husband wants to boast and show her off for all to see. And as men, we are called to champion our people, to care for our people, to meet the needs of our people, uh, physically, especially as well as emotionally. Spiritually, men are to provide not just um, a home, but a home that raises up those within it in the fear and admiration of the Lord. The home should be a place of worship where all things that are taking place, taking place within it are pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. Men are to lead their family to a sound church, a church that proclaims the word of God and offers community that is needed for the family. In so many ways, the family is a mini-church, and thus the men should be diligent on making sure that there is family worship, time for prayer, confession of sins that are taking place within the home. A LifeWay study showed that if a mother takes her child to church, 1 in 50 children will continue to go to church when they become adults. If a father takes their child to church, two-thirds to three-quarters of the children will still go to church when they are adults. And that's their father. This isn't a father doing family worship. This isn't a father who's a pastor and elder. This is just a dad taking their kids to church. has a far greater likelihood that this, the children will continue to go to church when they are adults. And lastly, men are to provide wisdom, guidance, and sound counsel. There are so many movies and shows nowadays that are being made and portraying the Father to be some big oak or fool who doesn't know his left from his right and just fixes something when it breaks. Men are to be wise and are, and are to know what is good and right. Men should be well-read, well-informed, up-to-date up to on current events and know what is going on around them. If you want an example of this, think about the book of Proverbs, specifically the first nine chapters, and how we see uh, the King Solomon laying out all this wisdom and guidance regarding every aspect of life, and not just what to do, not just what not to do, but also what to do, and all for the benefit of his son that he is riding to. If we can grow and become like that, that is how we provide for our family. And the last provision I want to talk about, the greatest provision that any man could ever leave for his family is an inheritance of faith. Many of us don't have fathers. Um, who We have fathers who physically weren't present or emotionally unavailable or spiritually were non-existent. But those of us who do have fathers, who are champions of the faith, know what it's like to experience that. And th- those of us who don't know what it's like to long for that. Men, the greatest thing we can leave, the greatest thing we can provide for our family is a faith that will last when we are dead. Um, the second function, so that is as provider. Um, the second function as the, is the role of man as protector. Um, I've been very blessed to attend the Holy Land and we've gone and visited Bethlehem. On the outskirts of Bethlehem, there's a place called Shepherd's Hill, and there's a beautiful church built on top of it. But you can go around to the bottom on the side, and there's all these caverns in, in the side of the hill. And these caverns are all across the Middle East, and what they do, there's shepherds, they're called Bedwins, the traveling shepherds. They go and they stay in these caverns. It's where the sheep would um, sleep at night, in these caverns where it's the safest. But at the entrance, there's only one way in. At the entrance, there's kind of like a U-shape in the rock. It's, it's kind of like a hammock. And this is where a shepherd would sleep at night. So all the sheep, all the flock are inside the, the caverns, and the shepherd is the gate, standing in between any person or any beast that may come upon onto the sheep. And that's the imagery, that's the picture I would like to have us think as we um, understand the role of man as protector. And since we are the gate, and not just physical, Um, but so much more than that. And so when there is a bump in the night and you, you do not as a man, wake up your wife to send her downstairs to figure out what it is, nor do you wake up and send the children, but rather is the man who is to wake up and go and see what it might be is the role of the man to always stand in between his people and any potential danger that could threaten his family. But this is so much more than just physical danger. We live in a fallen world full of sin where there are relationships, views, and beliefs that pose great damage and will ruin any family. As men, we are to guard and keep the heart of our people. We serve a great God who is very jealous for His name and for the hearts of His people. We see at what great lengths God will go to draw and serve the heart of His people to Him. So jealousy isn't always a bad thing. It is actually a wonderful thing when a man is jealous for the heart of his people. This is why we read in Ephesians 5 that a man leaves his father and mother and holds fast. He clings to his wife. Thus he should not be willing to share her with anyone in the same way that he knows her and shares her. Men are to guard the hearts of their people from others who would, who are trying to deceive them or lead them away from him. As we see uh, Adam fail to do this in the garden. Uh, We should be mindful of opposite sex friends and the level of intimacy that is shared there and rather not that is healthy for someone who is in a marriage. It's very common in our culture today to have something called a work wife or a work husband. And that is in direct contradiction to what God has in mind for marriage and the sanctity and purity of marriage. Another one today that is all too common that comes in between the marriage bed is children. A rightful love to for children can separate of a father and a mother and then when the father and mother start to prioritize children over their marriage and wonder why even why when they are gone divorce is the only option that is left so men must be jealous for the heart of their wife and make sure to keep it even over good things such as love for children there are unfortunately as many um men that we look up to that are champions of the faith in past times who have neglected their family abundantly for the sake of God's church and God's ministry. And even this is to be a great disgrace and to be frowned upon. So even such a good thing as serving the Lord shouldn't even come between your marriage and your family and your your service, your responsibility to them. So men must guard the hearts of uh, men must go to the heart of their people from parents or in-laws who guilt them into spending holidays together or, or put unspoken or unagreed upon expectations as to how often you'll see one another and then div- uh, drives a divide within your marriage. And then one of the greatest lies, as I've ever been told, is a silly childhood riddle. And it goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Men, to love your family well is to protect them even from yourself at times. Many of us know that in a moment of anger, on a night of insecurity, or just in a, being completely foolish, we may utter a word or say something that could do more damage and take longer to recover from than a punch could ever do. This is why Paul exhorts the men to live with their wives in an understanding way and not to provoke your children to anger. We would do well to realize that we are capable of doing potentially the greatest harm to those that we love the most. We as men protect time especially family time nowadays we stay so busy and everyone has something they are doing or specialized in that rarely is there something that the family is doing altogether. we should fight for there to be time and things that are done collectively as a family together this includes church and family worship the man is the one establishing the pattern of life making sure everyone is getting to church and raising everyone up in the fear and adoration of the lord the very last thing that men are tasked with protecting and I wrestle with putting this under the protector or also the provider. I think it could go in either, but it's this: it's it's um, it gets, it's education, the minds of our people. I believe we have a very fundamental. I believe we have a very fundamental understanding as uh, are about teaching, and when we understand the Great Commission and we see that Christ commands us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Education, teaching is discipleship. It is discipleship. And so thus, uh, teaching and and education is spiritual in nature. And since that, the the gaining and understanding of wisdom of of the world and the things of God will then lead us to a greater place of worship and awe of God. But uh, uh, education or understanding or teachings that pervert the the truths of the cosmos and how God has ordained the structure of the world will then lead us and deceive us and move us away from God. Thus, teaching is discipleship and education will either lead you to greater praise and service to God or it will lead you um, away from it. And so as we learn, uh, uh, thus leading us away God and worshiping Him, So we as men are tasked with making sure that the raising up of our children and family is leading and pointing them to to love the Lord our God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. To conclude, men, we are called to be not only the foundation upon which our family stands upon, but also the ceiling that sets the biblical bar and standard that we are to champion our people towards. Hear me, men, every ounce of strength, every drop of wisdom, every tool, device, and resource you have is not for your own selfish gain, but rather is given to you by God to be used for and towards those that God has entrusted you with. Because God has given us authority, we have the power to actually do something that benefits those that we love and care about. It is upon us by the grace of God to steward it well and pour ourselves out day in and day out to purify our people and to lead them to the Lord. We do not have any off days. This... um, In this, we mimic our Heavenly Father who only gives good and perfect gifts. The biblical way that men lead is by fatherly ruling, not abusing our authority nor negating it, but actively exercising it to benefit of those under us. We rule because we are men, and how we rule is fatherly. Christ sets the standard high, wherein all that he did in the Gospels, and even now, all that he does in the Holy of Holies, is all for his children and to the glory of his Father. Would we as men embody the God that we serve? Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Lord, for Thank you for your word, O oh Lord. Thank you, God, that you do not abandon us to our own devices. But you, as a heavenly father, as you have revealed yourself, God, care more for us than we could ever realize, God. And Lord, although we don't always understand your plans and what it is you're doing, you work in a heavenly fatherly way Lord we live in a father world God there's not a hair that can fall from our head without the will of our father permitting it oh God and so Lord I pray for greater faith and trust in you but Lord I pray specifically for the men that we would fear you and mimic you as you command us and call us to in your word oh God and as we do fall oh so short and we are so unlike Christ would you just be merciful to us Lord and show us grace and continue to empower us Strengthen us and to persevere into the role that you have called us into. It's your holy name. ask and pray all these things. Amen.